0: Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different in counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible in this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week. and We have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about his word with us. Well, we're, we're back again. Ricky, I uh, appreciate you being on.
1: Amen. Excited to be here, as always.
0: Yeah, and we're touching something this week that is going to sound a little bit different. We're closing out the month of January on children, and we've already built this understanding. One is how we abide when our kids are hurting so that we don't try to take control, fix it, doing all that that feels innate inside of us. Then we talked about how Jesus taught abiding to the disciples. We brought out practical applications of that. In our own parenting skills. Now, what I want to do is focus in on helping us to move our kids in the right direction towards abiding. So I've I've named this one overcoming their defense mechanisms. When we talk about defense mechanisms, we mention it here or there throughout the podcast. But you know, those defense mechanisms that we talk about are someone's learned responses or innate and natural responses to stimuli in their life that is meant to help protect them or respond to, to different things. I and mean, there's probably a better definition that since you've studied in that area that could go. But one thing I want to make certain that everyone understands when we start this is that because everyone is so different and everyone has such different backgrounds, what we're talking about today is a generalized look at abiding in different situations in abiding and helping our kids through. But ultimately, this is individualized and the work of the Holy Spirit is going to be the primary factor in in helping healing a kid's heart. We're not claiming to have all the answers, but we're going to give some understanding and and things that can give you a tool or maybe a, a place to start with the Lord and, and your own prayer and devotion as you focus on helping your kids through difficulties. I guess, Ricky, is that, is that a good way of saying it?
1: I think so. I, I, I might, I might, you know, just piggyback a little bit. There would be a, a, a long conversation if we were to try to demonstrate how to help children abide in the Lord in all situations because all families are not the same. Some families have a lot more problematic behaviors whether that is the you know if you're thinking sinful type behaviors or maybe there is illness or um, or problems that stem from birth. Uh, there're any number of things that can complicate a household that would make abiding skills nuanced for those children there's the understanding that some of the coping skills or defense mechanisms that we're talking about simply arrive with the children not everything is learned I mean, you could have very mild parents who never yell at their children who could have a child that you know, comes out, you know, kicking and screaming and, you know, trying to terrorize the place. Or you could have, you know, a very compliant child when the parents are very volatile. And one could say, well, that's not always the case. And that's true. That's the whole point. Um, Getting a definitive normative uniformitarian family notion is next to it. Well, it, it is impossible. So every little nuance introduces another avenue that has to be explored. So at least in the beginning, we're going to be talking about typical types of situations. As we talked the last two weeks, if parents, Christian parents abide well in the Lord Jesus, and the children are able to see the evidence of that, the change in their life and the ongoing structuring of a very, very close walk with Jesus, not just Sunday. And then next Sunday, that'll go a long way in helping children deal with their own defense mechanisms. But if there's separation in the household or abuse in any sort of way or or calamity enters that household through tragedy, uh, not of anybody's choice, or financial problems pop up. There are a lot of these types of stressors that introduce issues that might not fit the normative pattern that we might talk about. So I, a little bit, I think, with those disclaimers, um, I'll feel comfortable. talking more about this particular topic just so people don't think it one size fits all when it comes to children because with children god has given children a buffer and the buffer's mom and dad so concepts that adults can exercise may not be totally accessible to children because they have a buffer they have mom and dad to love them and hold them and and be with them and nurture them and comfort them and teach them and provide lifestyle choices that that increase the chances that the child will be self-disciplined and all of those kind of things take that buffer away somehow some way and now there's a whole new question so i i guess with that disclaimer i probably can tell i'm nervous
0: <laughs> well, it should be good. It should be good. All right. To bring a little uh, little entertainment into it. One of the things when I look at children in general, my own children, children at the park that aren't mine, you can always see the best examples of flesh living in children. It just it comes <laughs> out so naturally for them. And a lot of times you don't see it in adults cuz we've, we've got this ability or or learned how to to hide it, but any of these children, their response to external situations, things that happen on the playground or at school or in the house, they show the best Genesis 3 responses. So in our discipleship groups, we go over Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, and we really dive into the contrast between the two. But Genesis 3, if you're familiar, is where we have the fall, where Adam and Eve decided that the definitions of good and evil that that God had provided them was insufficient that they wanted to define just like God defined they wanted to define and so we see that with kids you know even when they test boundaries well this isn't this isn't okay I I think we should do this like I think I should have candy right before dinner tonight well (laughs) no that's that's not how this works no this is what I think is right so
1: and that doesn't have to be learned
0: no no No, not at all.
1: Just like, just like Eve didn't learn that, you know, she was, she was tricked. She was tempted, but she didn't have to, nobody had modeled that to her before, other than just being lied to. And, and so when she passes that down to us, the child can just do that on his or her own. Uh, Not because they saw mom and dad acting that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. These these responses, these defense mechanisms that end up coming into their lives, we find out and we we named a few throughout the episodes, you know, isolation, reclusion, becoming rage filled, you know, anger to rage, continuum, lying, compulsive lying, stealing, becoming angry or violent, you know, Mm -hmm. rebelling. All of these are just a few examples of the hundreds and maybe even thousands of combinations of defense mechanisms that children let alone adults may come up with but sometimes when they go through these difficult traumas we can see the start of some of these high level defense mechanisms and we can understand as we walk through this we can understand that these defense mechanisms if not addressed uh, by the, the individual as a child whether it's through counseling whether it's through parents trying to teach them to abide and, and living that when they become adults, these can really turn into some toxic and even violent coping skills that can wreak havoc, not only in their friendships, but with family members, with potential romantic relationships, coworkers at work, their relationship with the boss. All of these things can be just destroyed Because these defense mechanisms that they put in place as a child never really found a more positive way of expressing, and therefore they turned into these habits as an adult. So what we want to do first is to be able to identify some of these defense mechanisms and maybe as a parent, if if you're able to, try to help your kid or, or help identify maybe what's the source that these, these defense mechanisms are coming out. And if we can surround that with the word of God in that fashion, but if we're not able to, we can at least identify that that's something that our child has in their life.
1: Yeah, amen. You know, th- th- sometimes it's not even destructive. Sometimes it can be quite helpful. You know, the compliant child may very well learn that the pursuit of excellence maybe not even so much learn the compliant child may be, feel that the pursuit of excellence is his or her way forward you know, in everything in life and unchecked that becomes workaholism in adult life and a boss may applaud that behavior but if it's a replacement for true meaning and purpose abiding in god it becomes problematic sooner or later in one's life and any any number of redemptive type of uh, defense mechanisms exist they're actually redemptive in society but ultimately they can be harmful to the individual and even to the close relationships because it's not really abiding it's just plugging away, plugging away, plugging away, finding all my meaning in this thing. That when the day comes, when they're no, a, no longer able to produce the meaning through that, now they're in trouble. So parents, I think, have to begin at the point of being careful students of their children, asking questions. Why does Johnny do it this way? Sally does it this way what is the what's the driving direction of that child's heart that child's soul by looking at the child i think they're fulfilling some biblical mandates like train up a child in the way that he or she should go when they're old they will not depart from it or you know fathers train your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So as you were saying, how are we going to help them early on develop skills that are learned that also help them to find their essential personhood in their relationship with God, no matter what their defense mechanism is nor where it started. They come out of the womb with it or did they learn it on the playground or did a bully down the street cause it or in some uh, more difficult situations, you know, is there a human in their life that is causing them harm? And, and what if we can't protect them? What if it's, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a friend who's, who's asking us for help or asking someone in one of your groups or any of you listening for help, but, there doesn't seem to be a solution because the courts are involved for example so anything like that requires the parent to be really really nuanced in his or her prayer life and comforting life and that in the life of the children or friends or youth group or sunday school or or school if we're teachers any place we have influence in children's lives we should be aware of all of those kind of things
0: yeah <clears throat> Some examples that came to mind when I think of this and I've heard from others and then uh, even in my own life, you may have one child getting hurt, whether it's emotionally, physically and, and they respond, I won't get hurt. I'm going to hurt others first. That was that was me as a kid in, what it would have been sixth, seventh and eighth grade in order to prevent myself from getting hurt, I learned pressure points on the human body and I would I would cause people to submit. So even people that were bigger than me, I would put them in a, in a hold that would put down on a pressure point and they would, they would relent. Ah, ah, stop. And that was, that was my way of preventing myself from being hurt. And I can't even go back and tell you what the, the, the starting point was for that, but it was, it was my defense mechanism that I would, I would hurt others before I would ever be hurt.
1: So you're saying, suggesting that at school or the playground or in the neighborhood or whatever, uh, are there children hurting you? That, that kind of scenario, uh, bullies, that type of thing. And as a res- and then that ain't happening to me.
0: Yeah. Well, but it never happened to me that it was almost oh. preemptive oh. that. So it, I tend to believe that it, it must've been some sort of an emotional um, hurt that I had experienced, but it came out as a physical dominance or control. But yeah, you know, I, I did have one kid try to bully me in elementary school and and maybe that was it. You know, he was younger and I was always taught turn the other cheek and and be polite and don't don't fight, don't fight, regardless of what it was. And this kid just wreaked havoc for about a month. Maybe that was it, you know, now that I think about it. But anyway, aside from that, you may have even a sibling, like a, an older sibling just destroying a younger sibling. <laughs> destroying. Um, Yeah. And not in a fun way, but, you know, like taking out all of the aggression that they receive at school or um, anywhere else on that one. You know, they they want others to feel maybe they want others to feel what they feel. So they make sure that everyone else in the room is feeling the anger or the sadness that that they feel Uh, or one child just screaming. Just you have no idea why they're screaming, but they're screaming. Over and over, and, and the slightest thing might set them off. Maybe it's because they don't feel loved or they don't feel heard or seen. And so their way of responding is, I'm going to make sure that everyone sees and hears me. And so they scream and they lose control so that maybe they're heard or seen. You know, there's there's so many reasons that could be behind that and so many combinations. We don't know, but there's thousands, like I said, of possibles uh, possible combinations of defense mechanisms that a child's mind might use to protect itself and
1: well well the, the fact that you mentioned there could be a lot of them is sometimes easily explained by well one kid might be very aggressively screaming all the time right whether or not he or she hears screaming in the household isn't always you know at in play it could just be that's you know what they decided to start doing, though it wasn't really a decision, wasn't a conscious decision. It's just boom shakalaka. That's their their go to. Whereas another child could be so compliant that he or she is quiet, pensive, uh, not not assertive, right? And so tends to look withdrawn. And then maybe pressured it by mom, dad, school teacher, coach, or whatever hey, come on, come on, come on, come on. When that person's temperament, personality, whatever we want to call it, drives them to a different type of defense mechanism. I just stay over here and remain quiet. You know, like, like the church mouse, nobody will notice me. That continuum, you know, somebody yelling, somebody hardly ever speaking up, That continuum demonstrates that these kind of flesh based behaviors and attitudes all demonstrate the fall. They all demonstrate that we have, the mankind has fallen from the grace of God. And we are seeking meaning and purpose, significance and security through our own body our mind, our thinking, our emotions, our attitudes, even, even, even the way our body itself feels, you know, does it feel energized? Does it feel at peace? All of those things are all a person comes into the world with, and they'll use every bit of that to feel safe, to feel in in control of the world. Yeah.
0: Add on top of that, a sin nature from the fall and the curse of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, one thing that I was thinking that came to my mind biblically is, is Cain and Abel. Cain never learned how to kill a human being, never saw it modeled as far as we've seen in, in Genesis, but that was his response in anger, you know, so like you said, it, it doesn't have to be modeled, it doesn't have to be seen for them to, to come up with that as a, as a coping mechanism, yeah. You know?
1: You would certainly have to read into the text to say, well, you know, after, you know, even if a person doesn't believe the Bible and they go, well, even if we believe the Bible and there was a true Adam and Eve and yada, yada, yada. Well, Cain learned that from his dad because his, his dad must've become pretty aggressive because he was really mad at Eve over getting them kicked out of the garden. You'd build a story, right? You'd have to right. read into the, you'd have to read so much into the story to say, well, Cain, that was learned behavior on Cain's part. No, observing life would tells us that people come into the world feeling certain ways. The fall created that. Well, Cain suffered from the fall, but not necessarily did he didn't necessarily have it modeled for him. The potential for that was now a part of his nature when he came into the world. That's a great example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's sin nature. It's this it's certainly not a benevolent teacher to the flesh, to the mind. You know, no. yeah. and what what is that kind of way of thinking? What, what does that bring us for our own children? What came to mind when I was thinking through this was Romans six. So I know we've mentioned you got to read Romans. You, you <laughs> really do. Romans three through eight. Um, is just so big in understanding yourself, God, what he's done, what he's brought in. But in Romans 6, 19, the second half of 19 through 21, he says, this is Paul speaking. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in sanctification for when you were slaves of sin you were free in re- regard to righteousness therefore what benefit were you deriving then from the things of which you are now ashamed for the outcome of those things is death we we see that with our our kids if we allow this to continue on this the sin nature in them I mean we don't have any control over their sin nature but the the allowance in their own life of this sin nature of this chaos that continues to, to, you know, bring hurt, pain and death into their life. That's what it brings is is ultimately a shame into their life, which continues on into parent or into adult. And then if they become parents.
1: Yes. And, and so every time we recognize that in our children, rather than getting into the asking a thousand questions, why did you do that? Why did you do that? Why did you do that? You do that? Or you know, warning after warning after warning, okay, stop doing that. Uh, It's time to stop doing that. Uh, It's time to stop doing that. It's much more productive to immediately gather the child into a face-to-face comfortable conversation in which you can now say, Okay, that was interesting. What was that all about? Mm, you know, that's not kind of what we do. That's not who we are. I, I do my best not to model that for you. That kind of now you begin that conversation, and if if the lat, if the absence of emotional upheaval can be kept at bay, and we can engage the child quickly affirmatively firmly yet gently lovingly compassionately now the the go-to expectation on that child's part is mom or dad is going to engage me in a relationship that they talk in which they talk about god now i don't always have to use god language we don't even have to mention god all the time but if we respond other ways like stop that (laughs) and why'd you do that and what's the matter with you and a thousand other things that we could replace our own abiding skills with. And, and abiding is a relationship. We relate with the father, son, and Holy spirit. So I want to help my children to make a habit of dismissing their their sin-induced, their nature-induced inappropriate behavior, then have to do it from the get-go with them in a way that is different. It doesn't mean I don't sometimes lay the law down. You know, sometimes a child ends up on timeout or, or whatever. But it can't be directed with that emotional thing, the repetition of warnings, Counting one, two, three. Don't let me get to four. One, two, three. Don't let me get to four. You know the classic one that's in all the comic uh, comedians' routines. You know, oh, yeah. don't make me come back there. Don't make me turn around. You know, don't make me drive back home. You know, all of those kind of things. Well, you know, they're in comedy routines because we use that use those ad nauseum all the time, right? And so, avoiding those and doing. What we've been talking about in an, let's build an abiding relationship with the children, the way Jesus taught the disciples and offered to every believer thereafter to be in this conversational relationship with one another.
0: Imagine Peter in the garden, cutting off the high priest here and he says, Peter, one, yeah (laughs) yeah it sounds like what you're describing is is almost teaching our kids mindfulness of their sin and bringing about abiding from it
1: well in our abiding material and when we do abiding groups we talk about mindfulness that's a you know very popular idea these days it's a good idea be mindful of you know be 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 mindful of where you're at right here right now. Well, there's no better way of being mindful than to be in the presence of God and to be illuminated by the truth of God, to be in the moment with God. Uh, if that's that, you know, that's yet another definition of abiding, right? So if I'm doing that, and then the kids start off with one of those defense mechanisms that puts them in control puts them in the driver's seat rather than anything else other than he or him or herself him or herself we're offering them something entirely different than what most children have been offered in the world today or throughout time i think yeah
0: let's ask this question then we have this question and we ask, how do we apply all of this stuff? We've, we've asked it plenty of times, but how do we apply all we've talked about with discipling our kids, abiding in our lives when they're having those full flesh responses to trauma? How do we do that in order to help them overcome their defense mechanisms? Or a better way, how do we help point them to the better way of life? we see in the Bible, or as Paul says, to point them to the liberation from sin and from them becoming enslaved to God, which results to sanctification. That's the the next verse in Romans 6, verse 22. Now, how do we connect them in a general sense to that? Obviously, depending on the age, a four or five-year-old starting out at the the ones and twos and the counts, you know, not counting like you were just talking about, but in the mathematical sense, I have to teach them the numbers first, then I can teach them sum, I can teach them subtraction, I can teach them multiplication and division as they get older and eventually to algebra. And it's the same thing for us. But how how do we even start that off with all of these other environmental factors in mind?
1: Well, I think what we've been talking about, modeling, and then doing it with them in the moment. So then then I think it breaks down into two categories. One is just daily routine of living, right? There's, we're doing that as we go through the day or go through the time with them. Then the second category is when it flares up, when the defense mechanism flares up, when a teaching moment becomes necessary when a disciplinary moment becomes necessary. So the thing that we model on a routine basis, then has to take, you know, if, it were, if, you were, if this was like one of those uh, meters or a medical monitor where you see the line going across, right? Yeah. Well, you, you, you could just consider the flat line as good. You know, we're just going along, we're, we're modeling, abiding with the children and the, ha- the family's happy. We're all getting along and everything's hunky-dory. Then all of a sudden, blip, blip, <laughs> blip, 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 blip. And now you know, uh-oh, we need some medication at this point. We need, we need something because now the, the old nature, if the child's older and has accepted Christ, the flesh is still responding. Then at that moment in time, what can I do To bring us back to the normal state of abiding. Well, Jesus prayed. Jesus utilized the word of God. Jesus stepped away from all the commotion. Jesus blocked commotion. You know, he would take the the disciples away from the commotion. If there was a negative presence, Jesus would protect people from that presence. I think all of those have a place nuanced for us with our children. So if it's the, you know, if we're just talking about the typical uh, leave it to beaver family, you know, mom, dad, children, Then something kind of explodes. We slow the thing down and go, whoa, whoa. uh, Talk to me now. Let me hold you. Let's share a little bit. Let's figure this out. And then try to mitigate it by being there. Uh, While you're talking, I'm praying. I want you to pray with me. So we're modeling and we're continuing to discuss the ways that Jesus has done that in the life of disciples. Of course, we recognize that it's a child and not an adult. So the way we discuss it might be different. Jesus would say, hey, have I been with you so long? (laughs) that you still have so little faith. Well, we might not be that direct with the children, but we can gather. If it's a little child, we can gather that little child into our, la- into our lap, whether they're angry or sad. And we can say, I get it. I know that life gets out of control sometimes. But remember, there's a way that we go about this. We continue to love each other. I love you regardless of how you feel right now. And I know you love me. Now, somebody, a lot of people would be going, "Yeah, right!" Like that's actually going to work. Well, it depends on how consistent we are and how early we begin to do that, you know. And so, when we first started this this particular session, <laughs> we both said there are there there's a caveat to all this. There's nuances to all of this, um, because what I just said, while that works in in the norm, it might have to be nuanced a little bit or a lot depending on the nature of the flare-up the severity of the flare-up or if i'm not the parent if i'm a, a a helper a teacher i might have to pray for them from a distance if it's possible i might have to somehow figure out how to rescue them you know so again the first the first part of what i just shared i think makes sense across the board jesus would stop what was going on and he would pray he would stop what was going on and he would share the word of god he protected the disciples from overexposure he didn't You know, he didn't seek to embarrass them later when later when they were more seasoned, he would call them out in public. You mentioned Peter, you know, in the garden. So maybe later on, there would be times where we actually call it an an older child or a teenager. You know, hey, I know we're in public and you might not be used to this, but you better start getting used to it because it's life. (laughs) Let's talk about it right here on the street corner, you know, that kind of thing. And 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 then he and then he would also protect by blocking the negative influences that were taking place, and and demonstrate that this is not a good thing. This is not healthy for anybody. So, like when he would deal with the, the Pharisees, he dealt with them in a way that protected everybody around. So, if there's an outside influence, if there's a uh, learned behavior that the child learned from somebody else. We talk about it. We discuss it. We, we help them to see. So you haven't, you know, like in, when, in my case, when my kids were little, I would be able to say, you never saw your mama do that. And I don't do that. Uh, where'd that come from? You know what? You don't even have to tell me where where it came from. Maybe you don't know. It's not really important. Here's what is important. You know, you're in my arms now and we're chatting about this and we're talking about this. Eh, It's just not kind of the thing that we do. And a lot of people, I think, are going to consider what we're saying as pie in the sky. But I think probably just because it hasn't been given an opportunity.
0: With the actions that we're talking about, again, maybe that works for your child. Maybe it doesn't. I wanted to, to throw this out there because this is important. If you're just in the desperate moment that you're just trying to find something, anything to help your kids and shift them in there, let me not discount the importance that Jesus showed with prayer and fasting. Yes. Here's what I want to bring out. When Jesus had equipped the disciples in Matthew 10, he sends them out to go do as he taught them to do at that point they went out and they, he gave them authority to heal the sick and, and to drive out demons. But we read just seven chapters later in Matthew 17 with the demoniac that they tried to expel a demon from an individual. And they couldn't. They just lacked the ability. And so Jesus comes up, and, oh, when will this generation's faith reach where it needs to be? And he just speaks to that demon and it's gone says, Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. But here's the thing that, that I want to focus on, which is oh so important, that if we have no answers, this is the answer. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private, or privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So regardless, I think it was conditional, but then he hit that last bit. Like, yes, yeah, your faith will drive and and maybe your faith can can get one child through it. But the other child, maybe it's so great that we got to go to plan B, which is, this kind does not go out except through prayer and fasting. Ultimately, prayer and fasting, at the very least, can help you in abiding through your child's hurt, especially when it, it causes a lot of contention in your family. The prayer and fasting can bring about that dependence on God and um, and help bring you back to where you need to be to be that solid support system that you can bring them into your arms and say, listen, you know, we don't. We don't do that. I don't know where you learn that. Maybe there's two houses that the kids go to and one house is contentious and you're the only one in that other house. Maybe that's it. Or maybe maybe it's in the same house, but maybe you have a family member that's in that house that's causing contention an aunt or an uncle or a grandma or a grandpa or even your spouse. But to bring that safety to that child, at least in one consistent place, you can do it through that. So yes. I, I want to at least speak to that.
1: Which is true in every aspect of our lives, right? There are times when it doesn't look like we have a go-to solution in the here and the now. If, if, abide, if the idea of abiding in Christ is true, which it is, and it means we have a voice with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a very close relationship in which he's involved in our life. Communicating with him 24-7 is not a super-righteousness kind of talk. It's a reality talk. It's what Jesus modeled and what he asked of us. Well, one of the things that could possibly happen then in that is God will illuminate our heart and our mind with the word of God. That may very well give us the ability to be more patient To have more insight, maybe even the solution to our child's problem. Maybe the problem is not our child's problem. Maybe it's a household problem, like you were pointing out. Maybe, 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 maybe there's a lot of different endings to that. But in praying and fasting, fasting really about means you know, in in fasting, I think more than anything else centers us and keeps us focused on God. You know, that we give something up. It's a constant reminder and it's a, a sacrifice that keeps us in the moment with God. And as a result of that, our awareness of God and, and when he does choose to illuminate us with his word, the Bible, now we're ready and we're in tune. We hear it. We apply it. We can't talk about prayer if we don't believe that God is a prayer answering God. We can't raise our children. We can't help our grandchildren. We can't help the kids on our Little League teams or in our school rooms or Sunday school classes, our youth groups, uh, kids in the neighborhood. We can't help them if we don't do what you just said and believe that God will intervene. How? When? what circumstances well it's not really prayer is it if we know all that all the time no need for the discussion no need to go to go to god you know like a teenager and say hey dad can i have the keys of the car (laughs) dad might not give me the keys of the car you know but a righteous dad a good dad would be "Ah, awesome my kid wants to drive my car right Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and and God delights in hearing from us. I I think that piece of advice that you gave is, you know, of prime importance.
0: And I think it can (laughs) prevent us from trying to take control and fix our kids. You know, that brings us back to depending on the Lord submitting their healing and their development to him and not to me
1: i agree with that i agree with that i also agree with my own heart and emotions right now that says we need to tackle this again because i think it would be good literally to dissect this issue more carefully and focus on certain types of defense mechanisms We could focus in on all things being equal, do this every day. But what about the single-parent household? What about the household where emotions are out of control? What about the household that has a child who's been hurt in the abusive way? What about the household where a child has been hurt through life's tragedy sort of way? I think each one of those, while having everything in common with abiding, all have their own special nuances that can be talked about or at least discussed. I, whether or not I have you or I or somebody in a book somewhere, has they, the go-to prescription of how to communicate abiding to a child in every situation. I, I'm, I've been despair that that would be the case. I don't know. Yeah that's, that's, yeah. that's just where I'm at right now thinking this through.
0: No, I, I think that's definitely something we should do. Um, even in the next few months, I want to end on the idea of what we talked about with the word of God, pointing our kids to the Word of God, whenever they struggle, yes. the word of God, whenever they hurt, can be one of the main ways we put Romans 12 in effect within their lives without them even realizing that no. we're doing it. They may not even be able to comprehend that when I have my son recite James 4 7 when he is struggling and he's trying to take control of all these hurts and James 4 7 is submit to God resist the devil and he will flee draw near to God and God will draw near to you. And so we made that into a simple prayer that doesn't take all of that sentence, but I'm connecting him to the word of God each time that he has these flesh responses, these defense mechanisms. When my daughter is, comes into my room in the middle of the night and just says she's had a night terror, a nightmare. Well, let's, let's open up Psalm 91. Let's say, because it says it protects us from the pestilence of the night, you know, the plague that stalks in the darkness. Let's pray it right now. Let's pray to Psalm 91. We modify the pronouns in it. So instead of you, it's it's me. But mm. but it's it's doing those actions in our kids' lives that put God's word, number one, at the, the key answering position. And we connect them to scripture. So in doing so, we teach that God's word is central in their lives and in ours. The Second thing we do is we point them to a constant in life they can always depend on, whether we're there or not. You know, if there's two households, then when they go to the other household, I'm not going to be there to help them through those, but God's word will always be there. You know, if if they're at school, I'm not going to be there to help them when a bully's on the playground or when a kid insults them, but God's word will always be there, especially when we help them hide it in their hearts. And so, and broken homes and homes with one parent, in unconventional homes run by a non-parent, all of these in a child's life can be inconsistencies. And we've talked about all the different backgrounds that someone could go through. They're all inconsistencies in a child's life. But even in a two-parent home, like you were talking about, where events happen, one parent may be called on a business trip or maybe one gets deployed. You know, You and I both served and And there may be a time where we had to go. I'm sorry. I I don't want to leave, but I've got to go. Or sickness can come in there. We're in the age of COVID before that. It was whatever the disease was and the disease before that. And all of those things can creep into our lives. Cancer. These are all consistencies that can cause a child to resort to more defense mechanisms. Our job when we look at Deuteronomy 6 and, and we look at the scriptures is to teach our kids the fundamentals of God's word, so that when they have the full revealing of who God is through the Holy Spirit, then they go, oh, all of this stuff you've been teaching me all along that's kind of been helpful, now I get it. And and we bring them into that abiding relationship before they're, they're even comprehending that they're abiding or that they're learning the foundations of abiding. It's their anger. Then-
1: I love the way you put that before they're even aware that we're doing it. So, you know, you're not talking about a quote unquote Bible verse memory program. Um, You're not talking about a regimented, you read your Bible today, you know, for 10 minutes. You're not talking about that. Uh, you, You know, as a follow on, because it becomes a part of life, we might implement a Bible memory program. But it starts with the way you're talking about it. You know, my my little girl's crying in the middle of the night, and go in, hug her, help her to understand. You know, dad, daddy's here. Uh, can I share something with you that really helps me? And then you, you look at the psalm, and and then you said, let's let's just use this as our prayer tonight, and let's change the. Let's, let's change the pronoun to make it me personally you personally and that's a beautiful thing that's not as i shoving the word of god down their throat that's not a memory program that is the warp and woof of life incorporated into the truth of god just as by as the bible tells us over and over again to to do so yeah i think that's really good
0: yeah well, um, I think we covered a, a good bit of ground here. And I definitely am gonna put this on the schedule to, to come back to this. I think this is a big one, especially in our, our kids, but we can relate it in our own lives too, which is which is why this is so key in our, our own abiding. But just wanna to reemphasize God's God's word, abiding in our own relationship, those are gonna be big in our helping our children through any situation, whether it's a trauma, through joy, teaching contentment, all of that comes from us living the the life that God's called us to. So as we close this out, we wanna end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thanks for listening and God bless.